welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello and welcome. Glad you could be here. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, everybody. There we are. I think we're live now. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dansfish.com. For those that are new, we do this every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. I started that wrong. Retake. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged. Glad you could all be here. Um, let me know if sounds okay and if video's okay. I'm in a different setup here and uh, I'm turning the mic up a little higher just because there's quite a bit of background noise. We have all the air bubbling and all these all these tanks behind us and uh, the water flowing in and out of the tanks and through the system. So, <laughs> Kelly Foreman, I am mountain challenged. <laughs> you were in Denver. <laughs> Last time I talked to you in the mountains, you were mountain challenged. <laughs> um, let's see here. So, sounds good here. Everything sounds good. Okay, if it, let me know, guys, if it's too high and it starts like, uh, you know, pitching out. But glad to hear it. Okay, we're going to start with the shipping report and then we'll get into the giveaway, which I forgot to build earlier. And uh, let me do that real quick. This will only take two shakes of a lamb's tail. And enter thanks. Okay. So the shipping report is as follows. That's the wrong sticky. As follows. Um, to date, we are 98.79% arrive alive and stay alive for the year. We started calculating this the 1st of February 2022 of this of this year. So as of the 1st of February of this year, 98.79% of the fish that we send out have not only arrived alive, but have also, you know, arrived in decent shape as, as our customers have reported to us. Um, this week we have several to report, but I, I just want to reiterate that we're shipping a lot more fish so the percentage again we're still at 98.79 98 98.8% um, so here's the report we since I talked to you last Wednesday we've we had some issues with quarries and I don't think there's anything wrong with the quarries I just think we had some issues with certain boxes that must have been treated wrongly or set out in the Sun on the tarmac or you know something like that um, but one order lost four C-123s and two CW-27s. So, so apologize to that person. I don't know what happened to that box. We've sent out a lot of the C-123s. That's the yellow quarry, um, really pretty one. And this is the only one, the only box that had issues. So I think the fish themselves are great. I just think something happened in transit. So to the person that, that placed that order, you know, our apologies. Um, we did lose a C-141 on a different order, and then we lost a Platinum Angelfish. And that's that's everything that didn't make it alive. Then some folks lost some things um, after they arrived. Three Chili Rasboras, which is a little bit odd. Our, our Chili Rasboras tend to be uh, quite robust, but had a few issues. Now, we've sent out a ton of Chili Rasboras. So again, I think the fish are fine. Uh, I think just something happened in shipping. And then one that hurts a lot is two uh, Telemetherina serenosorum. Those are a very rare silver side. 
Um, the same, very closely related to something like a Celebes rainbow fish. Rare, hard to get. And so uh, I'm not sure what happened. I ordered those to come in at about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half. The ones they sent us were big three to four inch adults. And I just wonder if they don't ship that well at that size. Not sure because we only got a few of them. I think we had five to sell. So one shipment of those doesn't go well and it's not a big, big enough sample size to really know. So, but, uh, but that's what happened. That's the shipping report. And we're always working to make it better. Uh, Mandy, our chief fish happiness officer, does an, and her team do an amazing job of making sure that everything's taken care of and shipped properly. And that's the whole thing we do here at Dance Fish. Everyone that is involved with our company, that's our complete focus. How do we source healthy fish that are treated in a, a more humane manner? How do we get them... How do we become the day spa where fish can go and relax and enjoy themselves and recover from the stress of being imported or farmed or whatever? And, um, and then we focus on how to get them to you healthy. So everyone here is 100% is focused on that. We talk about it daily. Whenever anything doesn't go well, we, we feel it, it, it hurts our little hearts. <laughs> we really feel it. But we also do look at the numbers and realize it's a very small percentage that have problems. So still doing okay, always trying to do better and hope to keep doing better. I am trying to get some more Telemetherina species in, and I'm trying to get them at a smaller size. We'll see. We'll see. Um, let's get to the giveaway, then I have some exciting news, and after the news, we'll get to your questions and comments. So, an anonymous donor has generously provided a $200 gift certificate. And there's been some discussion about should we divide that up into four $50 gift certificates or $200 gift certificates, but what, what we've kind of settled on, uh, they, they've done this before and we had this discussion at the time, last time that, that they did this. And thank you, by the way, to this generous donor. They know who they are, but they want to remain anonymous, which is awesome. Last time the decision was, well, with shipping and everything, it's better to give away one $200 gift certificate than to divide it up because a portion of that's going to get eaten up in shipping. So that's what we're doing. One $200 gift certificate. If you would like to be entered to win that, then enter hashtag thanks donor. I wanted to put thanks anonymous, but anonymous is a little hard to spell. I'm trying to make this... Uh, kiss. I'm trying to keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> hashtag thanks donor. So that's hashtag T-H-A-N-K-S-D-O-N-O-R. All one word, no spaces, caps don't matter. If you enter that into the chat, you will automatically be entered to win a $200 gift certificate provided by a very nice anonymous donor. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, it helps if I take the top off. Thank you so much. Cheers. And I, I just love that this person's doing that, not only because, you know, it's hel it helps me and my business, but also because it's good for the community. But most of all, I think people reaching out um, and donating or providing giveaways and all that stuff is just a, a sign that we have a healthy community here, that people are involved 
like what's happening enough that they want to, you know, get enough value out of it and, and like what is happening with the community and what we're doing here that they want to actually, uh, you know, participate and donate and help out. So, so that's awesome. Thank you so much to that person. Okay. Now for what I think is going to be awesome news. We have 234 folks watching. That's pretty good. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment and inviting all your ex-girlfriends or boyfriends or what have you in so we can grow the chat, that would be awesome. Plus, it'd make for a very lively chat, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, Gary Williams has been a member for two months. That's awesome. Good job. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for doing that. I've decided to give autos another try, and the majority have survived this time. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. We do have, for anyone wanting auto syncless, I need to do a video. Oh, man, there's no time. I'll, ex I'll explain why there's no time, but there will be soon to do this. But our current batch of auto syncless is amazing. They're, they've been hardy from the get-go. They're fat and sassy. They're eating algae wafers without any problems. We also give them zucchini and, you know, pipes and plates and stuff covered with algae to, to chew on. But they're doing fantastic. So... I know there are a lot of folks that have tried autos and have not been successful. And the reason is not that autos are delicate fish. They are not, they're a hardy fish. But the reason is they're not an expensive fish. They're a cheap fish, relatively speaking. And the supply chain does not treat them with tender loving care, to put it mildly. So it's a supply chain issue. It's not a problem with the fish, it's a problem with the supply chain. Um, we're lucky enough that we have a supplier that does a pretty darn good job and we've had a few really strong batches from that person. So if you've tried and failed, I think that if you try our batch that you'll probably be successful this time around. I know that's salesy, but one of the things we do here at Dan's Fish is we try to treat fish in such a way that um, if someone's wanted a fish for a while and hasn't had success that if they get them from us they will have success and nothing makes us happier than we get the email from someone and this has happened several times this is what keeps the team going we get the email from someone that says this like cardinal tetrids is a frequent one that people are my i can't keep cardinals alive i really love them i couldn't keep them alive i've tried over the years and i got yours a month ago or whatever they're all still alive you know, that, that's the kind of thing that we're aiming for. That's why we do things the way we do them. Um, so autos are in that category, I think. I think a lot of people have tried and they haven't succeeded. So if that's you, um, I think this current batch, if this current batch doesn't do good for you, <laughs> then throw in the towel. <laughs> like, they're... they're probably the best I've seen, or at least tied for the best. We've had some really good batches. Anyway, enough salesy stuff. Um, Cory Dorable, Cali Aquariums. Yeah, what is up with Cardinal Tetras? I never keep those alive. I thought it was just me. No, it's the supply chain. Cardinal Tetras are delightful fish, and they um, are actually rather hardy if they're treated right. Um, so if you can get them from a source where the supply chain has treated them right, and they've been quarantined and recovered and, you know, had the cucumber um, on their eyes and the facial and the deep tissue massage and 
you know, the pedicure and the mani and all that and got allowed to recover and got been sourced from somewhere that treats them with respect, then, then they'll usually do really well for you. A lot of these fish that we think are delicate aren't. It's a supply chain issue. Um, anyway, where was I going? Oh, yeah, so exciting news. So it looks like it's official. I've, I've kind of quietly, with hinting every now and then, but quietly behind the scenes, been working on trying to get some fish from Africa for a long time. Uh, out of the Dem Democratic Republic of the Congo, the DRC. It's been hard um, that area of the world has been hit really hard by COVID and all the regulations. Before that, there was civil strife for decades, couldn't get anything out of there for a long time. Brief window where you could, then COVID hit, and the supplier that you could get went out of business. We found someone new. I've never used them before. So I, I don't know how this is going to be. Sometimes you just have to take a gamble and try a new supplier. But I found someone out of the Congo that will ship and we have the airway bill confirmed and that shipment will arrive here on Monday. So I'll be taking a trip to Denver this weekend to go pick them up and uh, get them here. So fingers crossed that all goes well. A lot of the fish out of the Congo, a lot of the tetras and things can be touchy if they're not treated right. And so I'm really hopeful that, that this person does a good job. We've had discussions. Um, everyone at every piece of the supply chain knows what we expect and what we want. And so right now, it's just fingers crossed. So I will uh, go over what's coming in at another time. Uh, Mitchell, shoot me an email and I, I can help you out. I'd have to, I'd have to look that up. There are a couple nanochromas coming in. There were only a few species available, though. They're, they're still... They're at the end of the wet season over there. So things are still wet enough that a lot of the fish aren't accessible. Now, on the uh, uh, paperwork I got from them, it looks like we're going to get most of what we wanted. But when I ordered from them, they... They clearly have it marked, this is available, this isn't. And so a lot of the nanochromis were not available. But I think we're probably going to end up with two or three species, and I can't remember which ones they are. And when you import from West Africa, my experience has been, <laughs> what ends up arriving could be completely different from what, <laughs> from, what they, uh, from what you expect. So... I won't know until they arrive exactly what's coming. But what I'm trying to get is some neat dwarf cichlids, like some nanochromis and species like that, some killifish, and a lot of the really neat Congo-type tetras, like the, the fantastique and the, the cherry reds and all, all kinds of stuff like that. And they're going to pack them very well. They, they'll pack as few as like five fish in, a, in an import size bag. So we're packing lightly and we're, we're trying to make this all good. And th there's other species we're getting as well, but um, I'm pretty excited about it. And once, once everything's in and ready to go, I'll, I'll announce what we have. But honestly, when you, when you order from this part of the world, um, it's not even worth speculating. Because... <laughs> 
it's uh, it's an interesting part of the world to order from. Let's just put it that way. But Mitchell, Mitchell, send me an email. All right. Unless Johnny knew. Did Johnny know? Johnny often can do things I can't because I'm in my live stream software and I can't look things up. All right, so that's what's going on. Um, it's been a crazy week here. Holidays are fun, but they screw you up when you're a fishmonger because what that means is we had to pack the entire week's worth of orders with one day less to pack because UPS is closed on Monday, of course. So we couldn't send the first order out until Tuesday. Normally we send the first orders for the week out on Monday. And so, yeah, so doing four days of packing in three days, it's kind of been all hands on deck. Um, it's been everything we can do to just pack the fish and keep the fish fed and healthy and taken care of and the ones that need it medicated and all that. Plus, we got a couple of orders in on Monday that we'll be revealing in a couple weeks when they get through quarantine. So it's been a whirlwind here. It's been insane. If you're waiting for a reply on an email from me, I'm getting to that tomorrow and Friday. <laughs> it's literally been nothing but all hands on deck all week. And the, the imports, so, so like Monday when the imports came in, I had to drive to Montana to Billings at noon to pick up the first import. You know, you go at noon, they, you finally get the import at about 2, 2.30, you head home. So that's six hours turnaround, right? And then another import came at 11 p.m. So uh, someone had to, Johnny drove up. Thank you again, Johnny. Johnny drove up to Billings then. The fish came in. When did they get here? About 2, maybe 2.30, something like that. So then you have to unpack all night. And then the next day, <laughs> you have to send out all the fish that are going out Tuesday so it's been that kind of week I'm pretty tired but we like what we do and even when uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to do it so even when we're tired we're still happy anyway with that let's get to the questions and comments we have 288 folks here thanks for being here guys and gals really appreciate it so I'm gonna scroll up and look for questions and comments that I can respond to. Before I do that, I want to thank my moderators for being here um, and doing what they do every week. I really appreciate you guys. Um, thank you. You know, one of these. <laughs> appreciate it. Rita R. says, I have two baby plecos that literally spent the first month of their life floating around inside of a Fluvial FX6 canister. I call them chemical babies. <laughs> I'm glad they made it. That's awesome. Well, they had good flow and probably constant nutrition. Legion Aquatics, do you have any of your own personal tanks at home? I have two tanks at home, but they, uh, I've, I've moved the fish here. When, when you're pulling, uh, I would say we pull anywhere between 10 and 24 hour days here, depending on how it goes. And uh, so when you're pulling long days all the time, my personal fish are going to be better taken care of here than they would be at home. But I've got 125 and 100 gallons still, still set up at the house. However, I mean, this, this might sound weird, but, but these are all my personal fish until you buy them. 
Like, that, that's how I feel about it. And I think that's how everyone here feels about it, honestly. We, we're all hobbyists. Everyone here is a fish geek. We don't have any, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to insult anyone. I was going to say corporate types, but, you know, technically we're a corporation. So we are all corporate types. But I, I honestly feel like all these fish are mine. So, yeah. But I do have some tanks at home. Just the fish are here for their own sake. Trey Beasley, do you know when pea puffers will be back in stock? I don't, but is but there is a supplier I have that does a great job with pea puffers. Not everyone does, but I found one that does. And so the next time they are able to, uh, they didn't have any stock this last time around. Next time they have some in stock, I'll bring some in. But I'm only going to bring them in from them. I think I've tried, I've tried every vendor or supplier of pea puffers in the United States that I know of. I've found one really good one and one that's okay. So I, I pretty much only buy from the really good one. Otherwise, it's a crapshoot. Sometimes they come in okay, but more often than not, they come in really pinched belly. They haven't been taken care of, and it's not fair to the fish. So I try to support the suppliers that do the work to get us healthy fish, even though they cost more. But so that's the story, Trey. I'm waiting for that supplier to have them again. Brent Harpy. When do you hope to have more albino heckli available? Well, um, that's something that we picked up yesterday from the airport. So I think in two weeks, unless something goes... <laughs> hey, Steen Fott. Unless something goes wrong, then we should have a very nice batch of albino threadfin heckli from the same supplier that we got them from last time because they came in so big and healthy and colorful and they look just as good. So should be two weeks if everything goes well. Now that being said, quarantine's quarantine for a reason. Um, sometimes a fish develops an illness, sometimes something happens and it can be longer than two weeks. But these look good and the last batch from the same supplier was more than ready in two weeks, so I think we'll be okay. Steenfot Aquatics, making it rain. Thank you so much, Steenfot. Glad to see you, Bob. I hope you're doing well, and thanks for all your support. For those that don't know, uh, Steenfot Aquatics is an affiliate of ours, so if you've enjoyed Steenfot Aquatics' channel, then uh, and you ever order from Dan's Fish, before you do, take a, a click on Steenfot's affiliate link. You can find that on his website, steenfotaquatics.com, or on his YouTube channel on any of his videos, recent videos anyway, it's linked below. And uh, he'll get a little a little taste of the sale, which will help him build his tiny house. So anyone that has gotten any value out of Steenfot Aquatics, do the guy a favor, click his link before you order from Dan's Fish, and that'll help him out. Um, and, and thanks, Bob, for, for everything you're doing to help with the affiliation, we appreciate it. Curl Kitty 08, throwing down. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing down a three dollar super sticker with with my hero, which cracks me up. It's been a long time since anyone's called me a hero, so thank you, thank you, thank you. My ego appreciates it. <laughs> it's funny. We were just yesterday. We were trying to remember who who sings that song. You know that thing. It's like, uh, what, what is it? We need a hero. 
And I thought it was Tina Turner, but it isn't. Uh, Tina Turner sings, uh, we don't need another hero, right? So we had a whole hero song discussion yesterday. So that's part of why that cracked me up. But thank you, Carol Kitty OA. Thank you so much. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, thanks for being a member. I should have my acrylic 36 by 23 by 12 puffer tank built and running this month. I may be ready to try some Shodene breeding soon. Great. Great. Provided we get what we think we're getting from this order from the Congo, um, we might be able to, uh, to help you out with a breeding group of those. And we have some now as well, but we've, we've already sold out of all the ones that are ready to go. It's going to take another few weeks to fatten up the rest. Uh, so we'll see. I hope I can help you out with that. Bentley Pascal, thanks for being a member, my friend. Rainbow to cichlids. Oh, no, I still have lots of rainbows. Okay. <laughs> Bentley's like, you're going from rainbows to cichlids? Okay, just because. Let's take a little field trip, shall we? To dancefish.com. Rainbow. Let's see here. Where's our rainbows? Here's our rainbows. One, two, three, four. Uh, I guess we can't count the Telemotherina. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven. I'm counting pseudomilgills, okay? <laughs> it's just easier. 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. 38. So minus the pseudomilgills, I guess we're probably sitting at 33, 34 <clears throat> species of rainbow fish. So I think we're still heavy into rainbows. <laughs> I defy you to find anyone else who has a big, as big a selection of rainbows as we have. I'm not cheating on the rainbows, Bentley. I got plenty of love to go around. I can love rainbows and cichlids. <laughs> Kelly Foreman, coffee fun because you guys have been putting in the hours. Oh, thank you, Kelly. That's very much appreciated. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. <laughs> Did I just say appreciate like four times in one sentence? <laughs> What's the Guinness Book of World's Records for that? Have we, have we beat it? Are we creating records here tonight? Thanks to everyone for the super chats, and thanks to everyone who's a member. We appreciate you joining up. Um, Legion Aquatics, what's your favorite type of fish, and do you have any personal tanks at home? So I already answered, answered the personal tanks at home question, but my favorite fish are killifish. Um, yes, I love rainbow fish, and yes, cichlids, but my, my favorite fish are killifish. They're the first group of fish I really ever got into. They're the first egg layers I had good success with keeping and breeding. So the, from the time I was, uh, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old, I was breeding and keeping killifish. And I did that through college and until just a few years ago when, when I really cranked up the business side of things and I got so busy just getting this all put together, first in the basement, then the annex, and now here in figuring out how to do this without going out of business and such that the, the, the time to breed fish kind of faded away. I, we still breed stuff occasionally. 
The Empire Gudgeons were spawning yesterday. I have a good video. The whole tank, it was like a big colony breeding thing. It looked like National Geographic. Like all these males dug these little pits in the sand or claimed a little piece of glass and were all displaying and the females were swimming around and laying eggs and it was amazing. So I have some cool video of that. So, so stuff breeds here all the time. In fact, I'm not using it as such, but this is probably just about the ultimate breeding setup with all the fresh water because you can feed the fry like crazy and you don't have to worry about water quality, which is always the challenge with fry. Um, so stuff breeds here all the time and every now and then we can we can raise something up but my my dream eventually legion aquatics when i'm old and crusty and retired is to set up a breeding rack and, and make detailed videos on breeding and raising lots of different kinds of fish but probably a fair number of killies for sure i think that's something that's missing i don't think there's really a I mean, if, if you guys know of one, let me know, but I don't know if there's really a channel or an organization that's making a lot of killifish content. Sharon Miller, what is a good tank mate for Kerbinzas? Something for mid or top water. Well, the good thing about Kerbinzas is for mid or top water, they can go with almost anything that they can't fit in their mouth. They're fairly peaceful, but you might want something that can skedaddle when the Kerbinsis breed. That's the only time they can get aggressive. Now, they don't get like uber aggressive like a lot of cichlids, but they can get aggressive enough. So it needs to either be far enough out of the way or quick enough that, uh, that if it happens to get in the spawning area, it can get away. Well, on the killifish front, there's several, right? There's the Aplicylus species, which include like the golden wonder killifish, but there's a whole lot of beautiful Aplicylus that haven't been uh, uh, inbred into the gold form. And there's Epiplates, which would be good as well. So those are nice surface dwelling fish. Uh, you couldn't go wrong with African butterfly fish, I don't think, because they would hug the top. And I think that depending on how deep the tank is, how high the water column is, they would probably be okay. Midwater, you can do lots of stuff. Uh, rainbow fish would be just fine. I think rainbow fish would be great. You could do several different types of kerosens. You could do lots of cyprinids. Some of the larger danios might not be bad. Uh, pearl danios are gorgeous. If you've never seen a group of those, those are a really nice one. I mean, in this case, though, I think rainbow fish would be a match made in heaven. I, th I like rainbow fish and cichlids together. I think they make a good, a good, a good team. But folks, if you have ideas for sharing, if you wouldn't mind linking them below or linking them, uh, entering them below in chat, that would be appreciated. Maybe we could help Sharon out a little bit. But but that's my thoughts, Sharon. I'd probably go with rainbows. Mitchell Broom, sounds like Nanochroma Splendids are soon to be on the table. Okay, good. So Johnny knows? Excellent. Thanks, Johnny. Let me scroll up here. I want to see. I can't find it. So I'm going to move on just so we don't have a lot of dead time. That's bad TV. Punchy Paints. Hey, Pam, I hope you're doing well. 
If you have a question for Dan, highlight by putting at Dan's fish. Also, just ask the question once, please. So when you do that, folks, it turns bright orange for me. See these bright orange boxes? That's uh, questions and comments directed at me. And that happens when you type the at symbol and then select Dan's fish from the pop-up. At symbol, Dan's fish, and it'll, it'll pop up for you. And yeah, let's not spam the chat. I mean, we aren't, this is not like a cardinal sin or anything, but it, it just clogs the chat um, and it doesn't help me get to it any faster. So ask your question once. If I get to it, great. If I don't, if chat jumps and then, I, oops, it skipped, then, then go ahead and leave it again and I'll get to it when I can. But I don't skip anything that's directed at me unless it jumps or, or we run out of time, one of those two things. Fish Central, any tips on shipping and bagging fish? I would really like to start selling fish, but I'm nervous about the mortality rate. I have tons of tips on that. Um, and you can find them all on some videos I've made about it. So if you type shipping fish on the Dance Fish channel, do a search for shipping fish in YouTube. Dance Fish, shipping fish, for example. It'll bring you to several videos that I've made about that. And I would, I would start you there. Check out those videos. They, we've documented this carefully, so the information's out there. And after you've watched it, if you still have questions, then, uh, then next week, ask your questions and we'll, we'll help you out. Scaly Aquatics, what size tank to breed rainbow fish long term? Well, there's all sizes of rainbow fish, but I like a good four foot long tank at least for rainbow fish if they're your typical sizes of say four to five inches somewhere in that range so i suppose that means a 33 long would be maybe the smallest for long term and if you do that if you have a four foot tank then you could get a good group of those in there and they would have plenty of swimming space and it's more about the length so even a 33 long i think would be fine you know, you could do a 75 gallon, that's also four feet. A 55 is also four feet. A 120 gallon is four feet. 90 gallon is four feet. There's all kinds of four feet long tanks, but what you, what you need is the length. The height and the, the depth front to back is not as important. Paul Soltero, I hope you insured the shipment. Live fish? Insurance? <laughs> like, I, I don't... I don't even know how I would process a claim if live fish didn't come alive. I, I don't think there's a policy for that. If you're talking about like insuring the money I paid for it, that's all taken care of. But if you're talking about insuring the fish themselves, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a thing. If I'm wrong, Paul, let me know, because that would be cool if it is a thing. If I could claim any losses on any imports. But I can't think of any insurance company in their right mind that would be like, totally, we'll insure this, this box of tropical fish. It's being shipped across the, the, the world. But I, I could be wrong, Paul. Let me know. Let me know. T-Shot. Dan, it's been a pleasure watching your success for the past three years. Thank you. And thanks for being, you know, a member of the community that cheered us on and helped us out. Well deserved. Your fish have always been top notch. Keep it up. Oh, we're keeping it up. That's there's. I mean, this reputation is is taking years to build, right? 
and it would only take an instant for it to go away. So this is what we're focused on is how do we improve? How do we keep people getting healthy fish? How do we keep improving the supply chain, making it more humane? And the more we grow, the more we can do that. Had a, a telephone call with a supplier today because um, some of the bags of fish that came in on Monday were not up to our standards. So we, we had a talk and cleared all that up. And so they'll be getting back to standards. Um, so it's a, it's a constant thing but it literally is what we think about as a company. And it's not just me, it's everyone that works here. In fact, if you aren't obsessed with it, we just wouldn't hire you. And it's, it's what drives us. I, I'm not in business to be in business. Like I didn't open a business to make money, although we need to. I, I, the, the mission of the business isn't sell a lot of fish and make a lot of money, although we need to. Um, the mission is, as you know, to improve the aquarium fish industry. And the only way we can do that is by, by constantly figuring out better ways, ways to better it. And so that, that's all we do every day, honestly. It's all we do. So I, and with Mandy at the helm doing what she does, we're in good hands. She's like the perfect person for that job. But T-Shot, thank you so much, and thanks for your support over the years. Really very much appreciated. Gary Williams, using at Dance Fish doesn't work on mobile, at least not mine. So, so that is true. Thank you for the super chat, Gary. Much appreciated. Never required, but always appreciated. And, um, you know, it makes my wife super happy when money falls out of the computer screen, so thank you. I can't do it on my mobile device either, so that is true. There are some limitations to that. Curl Kitty gifted five Dan's Fish memberships. Curl Kitty 08, thank you so much. Appreciate that. A Train, I have a 20 high with a title 305 hang on back and a moderate amount of plants. Would a love would a love in rummy nose, five bronze cores, and two guppies be overstocking this tank? How often should I do water changes? Thank you. Hey A Train, thanks for the question. So spatially, you could get those fish in there. The question, I mean, in my opinion, everyone has their own take on it. So here's my opinion. I, I think you could fit those in there. The question is always about how you keep and maintain tanks and how it's set up. So how often do you feed? Um, do you have plants in there? What's what kind of hang on back? Is that the only filtration? Do you have gravel on the bottom that can collect more nitrifying bacteria? Do you have a lot of hardscape and decorations that can form bacteria on them? Do you feed several times a day or once every other day? So all these things go into play, but spatially I think that would work. It's about the amount of biomass you have in the tank versus the amount of work you want to do and how your system's set up. But yeah, I think that would be fine. How often you should you do water changes though, depends completely on how much you feed and if you have plants in there and what your filtration's like. All those things come into play, how big the fish are at the time. So really you have to test to know that and get to know the tank. So the, the frequency of water changes 
I mean, I could say every week do a 30% water change and be fairly safe. Every two weeks do a 30% water change and be fairly safe. But every tank is different. Everyone is its own little microcosm, its own little, uh, basically, environment. And so we have to get to know the environment before we really know what it needs. Dan of Serpents Aquatics. Yes, we're getting some killifish in. We hope to have some in on Monday. Uh, coming out of Africa, coming out of the, the Congo. Nino Franklin, do you ever have in stock Jaguar Liebear? Nino, could you give me the scientific name? I'm going to try to look that up based on that common name here. But my sense is that that might be a very vague common name. Let's see here. Can we find it? Is it that one, the one-sided? We might have gotten lucky here. This is a fish that I've never seen before. Wow, that's cool though. I like it. In one-sided, so the gonopodium on the male only turns to one side, huh? He's not ambidextrous. <laughs> or ambi whatever the appropriate follow-up on that is. <laughs> Um, I haven't seen that one, but if I did, I, I, I'm sh I think I would bring it in because that's pretty awesome. Ooh, chat just jumped again. Oh, wait, there we go. I can, I can still see it. But I've never seen those available. Not from any of my suppliers anyway. I mean, every now and then we can get some cool live bearers in. We have some right now. We have the uh, four-spot Merry Widow in. We have um, Zephophorus. What's the, is it wallet? Ah, oh, what is it? I'm gonna have to look. It's a very common, easy species name, and I can't remember it right now. Sephophorus. This one, Milleri. Sephophorus Milleri. And I know, I know I need to get some pictures. I, I totally know. And a few like that. We, we do have, um, P. Tico, I can't say the genus name, I don't remember it. Phallichthys Tico, I think. But it's it's not doing the best for us, so it's taken a long time to get those ready to sell. It's gonna be at least a few weeks before they're ready. So every now and then we can get something cool in. And we have some Gudeids that are coming in as well. Mecha Splendins, and uh, we have a lead on some others. But I haven't seen that, uh, what was that called? Jaguar live bearer. Surf City Cichlids, hey there, and hello to all you fine fish people out there. I've seen a lot of fish people. <laughs> Never mind. I won't say that joke. I'll offend someone. <laughs> I was going to say, but I don't know how many of us are fine. <laughs> oh, I keep saying curl kitty. It's killer kitty. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's like U.S. Scraper. <laughs> it's actually U.S. Scaper. I don't know if we'll ever get it. So I had these students one semester who the first time I met them, in my brain, when they introduced themselves to me, that, that moment, somehow my brain got crosswired. And it got set in there that, that their names were backwards, right? 
and man, for the years those were my students, I hardly ever got their names right. It's so bad. Like once it's in there, I don't know what it is about my mind, but once it's in there wrong, it's staying. But I'll try Killer Kitty instead of Curl Kitty. <laughs> Thanks, Kaylor, for... Yeah, there it is, Killer Kitty 08. <laughs> All the support, Killer Kitty, and I keep calling you Curl Kitty. Fossil Tarot, you're missing some rads. Yeah, we're growing some out. We have some that are, are little still, and we're growing them up. So uh, what is is that? Uh, Radnocentris ornatus uh, Tiwa, the Tiwa Creek. It's going to take a little time, though, before they're big enough to sell. But we do have some, uh, what I'm confident, are true, are true uh, Chilotherina centeniensis that should be ready to sell pretty soon. I need to uh, get that verified through the the bowheads at Rainbow Fish Live before I list them, but I'm pretty darn confident because the, the broodstock came from Johannes Graf, so pretty sure. Scotty the Fish Freak, consider selling a pair or two of Killies to the Keystone Clash Fish Show. They can be put into auction. Money can be mailed to you or it can be a donation. Yeah, I I wouldn't sell them to the fish, so I would, I would donate them. So if... But that's coming up too quick, isn't it? So the fish that are coming in on Monday, if they even arrive, are going to need at least two weeks before I would ship them. And depending on how they do during that period, they might need more time. So would you send us an email, info at dance, not info, geez, hello at dancefish.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, Scotty. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to support the Keystone Clash. And yeah, I would just donate them uh, club donation, and the Keystone Clash can keep whatever funds they they can get by uh, auctioning them off. I, I like aquarium clubs a lot. I grew up in them. I know the value. I know how important they have been to me over my life. So I like to support them when I can. Snoochie Booch, Samurai Garamis. Any word? Find a good source yet? Yeah, I should have more coming in on. Uh, mid-November I haven't found well I have another source I can try but they didn't have any listed this last time around so I did not bring any in this week so I, I'm keeping an eye on their list though but yeah samurai gouramis are fairly uncommon and when they are available there's several suppliers you don't even want to try them from so I'll keep trying those, Snoochie Booch. Killers Aquatics and Exotics. Thank you so much for the super chat. Oh, this is a new one. A lemon hanging out with a... That's got to be a lime, right? It looks blue on my screen, but... Lemon and a lime. Thank you, Killers Aquatics. Really appreciate your support. Okay, Aaron Peabody. Are peep lovers dwindling in the wild? If so, is there conservation I can donate to so we can all continue to enjoy them in the hobby? So, Aaron, I think the short answer is no, but I'm not an expert on that. But here's why I think that. I think that because their distribution is so big. They're not like a fish that comes from a, a tiny little locale. They're, they're widespread. And as far as I've been able to find out from looking at this, yes, they are generally uh, harvested from nature. I, I don't... Occasionally, I'll find aquarium bred ones, 
but as far as I can tell, most of them are harvested from nature. But I need to look into that. I think that there's uh, a lot more farms that are probably focusing on them. That's been a tickle in the back of my mind for a while. Common, common knowledge says they're all uh, harvested, but from where I'm seeing them come from now, I think they might be uh, bred now and raised, at least somewhat. So I need to look into that. I, I'm not sure. But even if they were all uh, collected from the wild, their distribution's so wide and they are uh, in high numbers. And I checked in, if I remember right, I think that they're, if I look, I better check this on IUNC, is that what it is? IUNC, um, what's the pea puffer's scientific name? I can't remember it, pea puffer. But I think they were least concerned. Is that true? Carino tetraoda, okay. It's not tetraodon, it's carino. So let's try this. Okay, let's see if I remember this right. Wait, that doesn't seem like the right website. <laughs> like at all. Where is it? Well, this is going to uh, take a while, so I'm not going to do it live, but yes, this is something that, wait, that was right, uh, so I'm gonna to have to do more research. I can't answer that question right now. Not, not correctly. Yeah. So, so here it is. It's it's comfortably in the middle right now. So it's not endangered or anything. Um, vulnerable sounds bad, but on the scale, I don't think vulnerable is that bad. And I have to look into the reasons for that as well. Population trend decreasing. So yeah, I'm gonna to have to look into that some more. But based on their, so that there might be areas where it's being heavily, heavily collected, but based on how wide their distribution is, if a fish generally has really wide distribution and pretty dense habit uh, populations, and that's the case of the pea puffer, then usually it's uh, pretty safe to collect. But Aaron, I'm gonna to have to look into that more. I do, and I would encourage anyone to do this. You'll often hear things about the sky is falling on a species, and then if you dig in and actually do the research and, and look at the papers and things, you'll see that it's like, well, that's a, I don't want to say fun thing to say, that's an easy thing to say, and it's something everyone can get on board with pretty quickly, but it's not always the case. So just encourage you to check that out before before jumping on bandwagons about that but yeah Aaron I need to do more research on that Scaly Aquatics I want to start a channel for killy breeding once I have a house awesome do it we need one 
Also, Tarot. I have brilliant Rasbors, black ruby barbs and cherries, and denison barbs with cribs. All right, cool. So Paul is 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 going heavy on the cyprinids with cribensis. Yeah, I can totally see that working. Dilemos. Hey, I didn't get an email for my shipment yet. Do you know when that will be? Sorry if spam. Um, Johnny, would you take care of that? Johnny is in touch with all that. But if your shipment went out today, then you should have got an email just about three hours ago when all those got sent up to UPS. So uh, maybe check your spam folder first of all. But uh, Johnny will take care of that for you. Sherry, when are you getting more yellowtail Congo Tetras? I have more now, but they're in quarantine. So I have another group at the moment, just getting them through quarantine. And so far, they're doing really well. So I think they'll be available soon. I'm going to give them a little longer, though, because that's a fish that'll trick you. It'll seem good, and then you'll go to ship it, and you'll have problems. So I'm going to give them a little extra time, even though they're doing really well. You know, it's 7.54. I think we should go ahead and do this, this here giveaway. We have 359 folks here. That's awesome. Thanks for being here, everybody. That's a good turnout for this little engine that could. Appreciate it. And the winner of a $200 gift certificate to Dan's Fish, donated by an anonymous donor. Thank you again to that donor. Is Mr. Jim Nose. Mr. Jim Nose, you have won. You have two minutes to chime in and let us know you're here. If you don't chime in in two minutes to claim your winnings, then we'll draw again. John Snow Radio. Are chili raspberries and kubatai green neons compatible? My chilies don't think so and are hiding because I wanted to give them some friends. Oh, that's interesting. I was going to say I think those would absolutely be compatible. Are they around the same size, though? If the... Uh, Kubitai rasbors are a lot bigger. That could be an issue. But that surprises me. How long have they been together, though? You might just need to take a week or two for them to all settle in. I don't know. But I would have thought, sure, I think chili rasbors and Kubitai would do great together, provided they're about the same size. But maybe I'm wrong, at least in your case. Every aquarium's a little different. It's interesting. You'll see how fish behave in, in one tank. And then you'll see how they behave, same fish, in another tank, and just how things are set up, how flow is, how light is, all kinds of things can make, make a big difference. John the Stir Fry Guy, are you going to bring in more Blood Cap Moon Tetras? I want to get at least 20 more because I ordered 10 originally, lost 3, and now my 75 looks pretty empty. Yeah, we have some right now, I think, don't we? I think it's the only fish called blood. Yeah, we've got, we have six available right now. And if all goes well, then I will have more in on Monday uh, coming in with that African shipment. Okay, scrolling up here. I'm curious what other people think about the pea puffer things. Am I way off base? My understanding is they're not... I don't know if I can find that section. 
Joseph Morshimer says, if I remember correctly, isn't there two different fish called pea puffers that look very similar? I'm not sure about that. I don't, not that I know of. But I'm not a puffer expert by any means. There's, there's some true puffer experts out there that would, would know that. <laughs> but I could believe that they have such a, a large range that I could believe that some speciations happened. Okay, chat jumped. So the next one I can see is Ambiphallus instead of Ambidextrous. Yes, Dragon Lair. <laughs> Carlos Creations, any Trout Goodyear store updates? No, um, I had someone that was going to raise some for me, but their breeding season has not gone well. So I don't have them coming from the place I thought I would. So if anyone here has some Trout Goodyeards that they've, or Goodyeards, good did trout goodies that they've raised <laughs> and are looking to unload then i like to buy those in quantity i really like buying uh fish from hobbyists uh, you guys do the best job best place to get fish now not all hobbyists know how to ship the fish and that's where things can get you know there's some coaching needed and some trial and error but that's understandable but the fish themselves tend to be awesome dilemos not sure if you've answered this yet but okay but I didn't get an email about the shipment does that mean maybe next week no I mean we if we if you got if you placed an order you should have pretty soon afterwards received an email saying here's when we plan to ship your fish and if you haven't heard from us otherwise then that's that's what would have happened unless you know we're all human beings uh, maybe something fell through the cracks somewhere but um, Johnny, if you would take care of that. I'm, I'm sure Johnny's already working on it. Killer Kitty, you can call me what you want. Oh, let me be creative here. Hmm. <laughs> no, Killer Kitty is just fine. But thank you. Uh, some people get really offended when I screw up their names, and it's never on purpose. It's just it's how my brain works, or my brain doesn't work, I guess, sometimes. Tanya H. Oh, wait, let's see. First of all, Tanya... I said Tanya. I'm sure it's Tanya. Let's get to this. Okay, Mr. Jimnose is here. Congratulations, Mr. Jimnose. Uh, you have won the $200 gift certificate. If you would send us an email to info... Why do I keep doing that? Hello. We purposely didn't go with info because it's so, like, boring, right? We went with hello. <laughs> at least it's a little bit friendly. Hello at dancefish.com. Let us know. I'm Mr. Jimnose. And uh, I won the gift certificate on the giveaway, then we will get that taken care of. Thank you so much. And congratulations and thanks for participating. Now, Tanya H. Do you ever get female honey gouramis? Sometimes I, I struggle with gouramis. Every time I think I found the right supplier, and they're going to do well this time. I mean, sometimes it takes a little while, but eventually they develop problems. So, I don't know. As of now, I don't know if I'm bringing any more like dwarf garamis or honey garamis or things like that in. Unless, perhaps, they're bred and raised by a hobbyist. Ten... 
thousand million. There, Joe Coffey, that's for you. Johnsworth. Hey, T Johnsworth, thanks for being here. Thanks for everything you do for us. My tinjos look amazing already. Can't wait to see them color up and grow out more. Quick question. What do you feed your Amazon puffers to fatten them up? So we feed a variety. I just did good question. So let's take another quick field trip. We just did on the Dancefish newsletter. So if you go to dancefish.com, scroll down to the bottom, click newsletters, or better yet, sign up and you'll automatically receive the newsletter. But if you don't want to do that, we understand. If you go here and you click on this, this is a deep dive into Amazon puffers and we go really deep. This is, I think this is the best article I've ever written. There are a few typos, <laughs> but it's too late now. Uh, it was either just get it out because it, it was taking forever to get this done. It's like, I'm just going to release it. It's fine. So you'll find a few typos, but the information in here I think is awesome. There's a lot of uh, scholarly primary source material that went into this and we, I'm sorry, went to the bottom. In here we, we talk a little bit about what we feed but here's a good um, here's a good synopsis of what we feed. Hikari viper bites, frozen bloodworms, frozen mice shrimp, frozen brine shrimp, live scuds, live cherry shrimp, and crushed snails along with the rapashi which we cover up here. So my belief with fish is and always has been that variety in the diet is important. So that's, that's the mix we give those guys. We don't give them frozen brine shrimp all that often, but uh, we should actually do it more. It's, it's got good fiber in it. But frozen bloodworms are a great food for Amazon puffers. It's very close to what they eat in the wild. In the wild, the insect larvae, mainly mayfly larvae, but other insect larvae as well. And so bloodworms are at least a type of insect larva, so it's getting closer. But we feed them all those things. And we found them to be very eager eaters. They, they tend to do okay as far as feeding goes. Even viber bites, like prepared dried foods, they'll eat that. As well as live and frozen and gel foods. So give them a wide variety. I would encourage you to rotate something in every third, fourth feeding or so that can help wear down their, their beak. That could be crushed snails, and they need to be crushed. Uh, Amazon puffers don't have a big enough mouth or strong enough beak to really handle uh, snails' shells very well, unless they're very tiny little snails. Um, so, oh, I'm saying um again. Bad down, bad down. Or make some rapashi and, and mix some uh, oyster shell into it. So when they eat the rapashi, they crunch down on the oyster shell. But Amazon puffers will, their, their teeth, if you will, will get overgrown if they don't wear them down constantly. So I would encourage you to, to mix that in. But John's words, it's all those things in that article or what we feed them. And if you all missed that article, it's worth a read, I think. Well, let me know. Read it and let me know. Maybe you'll read it and be like, actually, that was the most boring thing. It is pretty densely packed with information. And some of it is like natural history and, and uh, you know, classification and stuff like that. But in general, I think it's, well, I, I like the article. 
<laughs> I guess thinking on it, reflecting on that statement, that don't mean much to a lot of to everybody. Everyone's got their own taste, but yeah. Uh, JTI Aquatics, will regular autos and giant autos get along? I've never tried that mix, JTI, so I don't know. I would imagine they would. Neither of those are like vicious fish, so they probably get along. But I haven't tried it. If anyone here has tried that, could you chime in and let JTI know what your experience was? Rosie, Dan, I appreciate you and your job ethic. You're wonderful. Oh, I'm someone's hero and I'm wonderful. What a banner night for me. <laughs> Thank you, Rosie. The ego appreciates it. Rachel Irwin, my male Beck 40 pencil fish were fighting a lot, so I added to the group and ended up with nearly all male. Still a lot of aggression. Should I get more and cross my fingers I get females? Rachel, um, I don't think adding females to the group of males will, will lessen the aggression. And with pencil fish, the Beck 40 pencil fish, it's very common for them to spar and spar and spar. But, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe your group's different, you don't usually see damage. It's more display, and they'll, they'll go around and, you know, kind of spar and stuff, display, they might whack each other, they might chase each other a bit, but unless you're seeing actual fin damage and things, or seeing someone just get picked on mercilessly, and you know, check out, go up in the corner and be like, I'm out, I'm not feeding, I'm just gonna hang out here, don't bother me. And, and doesn't move from there, you know, just stays there for a few days and is like, I don't feel good. Unless you're seeing that kind of thing, I think what you're seeing is the normal behavior of the Beck 40 pencil fish. And in my experience, it hasn't been damaging. Now I do think it's a good move to put more in there, but whether they're males or females, I don't think matters so much. I think what you, well, even adding males actually might be better because then the aggression spread over a larger group. So I think you're actually doing the right thing. Now, if I'm wrong, Rachel, and you're seeing damage, then, then let me know and I can dig in a little more on that. But that's what pencil fish do. And I think, I think they're, that's, I think they're fine with that. I mean, the other answer, I suppose, if it's there's problems and stuff, is if you have a larger tank and you can put in, them in a larger tank with, I don't know, some hardscape or plants or something to block line of sight uh, lines and such, then, then that could be a solution as well. But, but honestly, I, I'd be surprised if you're actually seeing damage, but let me know. Zach Billings, any chance to get keyhole cichlids again? I... I haven't seen any that I would want to bring in uh, from, from a supplier I trust at this time. And the other thing, Zach, is when we had them in before, they took quite a long time to sell. So I'm not sure. I think that's something I'll try again down the road, but at this stage of the business, it probably doesn't make sense to bring those in. I mean, if a ton of people email us, hello at dancefish.com, and are like, no, I really want keyhole cichlids, then, then maybe it's worth it. But just based on the last batch we got in, they did sell, but they didn't sell particularly well. It took quite a while. We're kind of having that issue right now with our African butterfly cichlids. We've, we've had some for quite a while. They're just not moving. And so when those sell out, 
we probably won't be bringing any more of those in for quite a while. It's, it's kind of the same, same thing. Uh, how we run our business is we know how much it costs for us to operate every month. And so we know how many sales every aquarium needs to generate every month in order for us to stay in business. We call that the aquarium paint its rent, basically. So uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to put get bring fish in that we suspect are gonna have a hard time paying their rent because if we do enough of that, we'll go out of business. So it's the kind of thing we think about. Now, part of me wants to say, heck yeah, I'll bring keyhole cichlids in again because I love them and I do. Um, and people have asked me in the past, and I've been, yeah, I'll bring them in again when I when I see them. But we recently went over some financials and things, and um, there are fish that are sitting too long in aquariums. And if I bring in fish that are going to do that, like I said, it's going to be hard to stay same business. So, yeah. Oh, hell, <laughs> zombie mongers. Yeah, this week we all feel like mongers that are zombies. That is true. <laughs> what are your thoughts on using UV for fresh HZO <laughs> water tanks? What circumstances would warrant use of one? Do you use them in your systems at dance in the dance fish layer? Let's see here. So, yes, we use a couple massive UV sterilizers, but that's just because we're pulling water from nature and we need to clean it up and sterilize it before we bring it in. And then when we put water back into nature, we want to clean it up and sterilize it be before we return it. So our circumstances are, are different. As a hobbyist, when I had tanks that weren't connected to nature, I never used UV. But I think there's a couple times when I would have. There were a couple green water infestations, if you will, that were difficult to get rid of so if you have white cloudy water and the tank is mature and everything it's not just a blip because it's settling or, or what have you but if the tank is mature and, and seems balanced and you still get a bloom of cloudy water white or green then a UV sterilizer could be useful for that just helping keep the water crystal clear it's also useful if there's uh, an issue with disease and you want to help keep the water in the tank clear of that then that can be helpful although you know not all the disease organisms are going to get pulled into it some will be in the water column and, and not get pulled in but that can help lessen the load for sure there are certain people i know that um keep and breed betamacrostoma that use uv sterilizers especially when they first get them in so that they can uh lessen the pathogen load while they're getting the fish used to used to aquarium life so there are instances where it could be used but in general i don't think it's needed if i think there are just those those special cases and there might be others as well but for general fish keeping i'm not sure it's necessary something to be aware of is that uv creates uh free radicals and so depending on your water and its composition and the chemicals in your water and things, um, there might be times when UV sterilization is not going to be good for your aquarium. Stephen Lee, any Golden Congo Tetras coming back soon? Hopefully Monday. 
in hopefully several locations. So we hope to get in more Golden Congo Tetras and uh, some pretty specific uh, collection codes attached with some of them, yes. Now, again, when you import, you never know for sure. <laughs> Paul Soltero, congrats on bringing in the late Acaras. They are an underused dwarf cichlid, lots of personality, and good members of community tank. I've got uh, Araguanie and Upper Atabapo. Cool, thanks, Paul. Um, one of the cutest things today is I was feeding one of the tanks of Latakaras, and they were all porpoising. Like, you know when you feed tanks a lot of fish, especially cichlids will go up and like geos will kind of stick their mouth out looking for the food? These guys had half their body out and their mouths wide open. It looked like baby chicks in a bird's nest. <laughs> this group of them, all of them up and remaining up, like wiggling their tails really hard. So half their body came up out of the water and remained with their mouths open. Just this big group of them just going like. <laughs> it was the cutest thing. They were so cute. A lot of fish will go up and their mouth will be there, but I've never seen like a whole group porpoise at once. Well, I guess porpoising is jumping, but like do that dolphin thing, right? Yeah, it was, it was so fun. It's great being a fishmonger, man. There are so many... You just, through your daily work, you get to see so many cool things. Stuff you've never seen before pops out every day, and it's really, really fun. Patrick's Aquatics, what's that Frontosa logo on your shirt? It looks so familiar. Woo! That's Ross's logo. Ross gave me this shirt at the Triple Crown, so Ross is a good friend of mine. Aqua Designs by MLT. I'm so tired. I'm with you, my friend. <laughs> I can't type very fast right now. Hello to you all, cool cats. I mean, cool fish people. Hi, Dan. Well, hello, Aqua Designs by MLT. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you joining us. 246. All right. Had a, a lot of people here for the giveaway, I guess. But that's okay. 247 stalwarts. <laughs> the stalwarts. Mitchell Broom, the IUCN red list. Yeah, that's that's what I was looking for. On the pea puffers, um, trying to answer that question. Um, Dilemos, 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 Dilemos. I'm going with that. It's so not what it is, but Dilemos. <laughs> Can you show us some of those? Uh, dwarf Red Congo, I'm sorry, <laughs> Tetris. <laughs> dwarf Red Tailed ear, Eels. Let me try that. Hang on. I obviously need another drink. Okay, here we go. Good blood, blah, 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 blah. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. There we go. Can you show us some of those red. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sister Susie sewing socks for soldiers. Can you show us some of those dwarf red tail eels? I did it. Why was that so hard? There's not enough footage of them on fish tube. I wish uh, we we've we sold out completely. And we sold out of the the bigger, more colored ones. I think we have a few small ones left that need a little bit more grow out. So, um, yeah. This is what happens when we're so busy and it's all hands on deck for just shipping and I don't have time to take videos and pictures and stuff. It's just, 
there's such cool fish that look great. Why won't these get clean? Apparently, Ross's shirt does not clean glasses. Nah, it's just me. There we... I think that'll work. But, you know, so we get all these amazing fish, and I want to take pictures, but they often sell before I can. It's just a continual problem. Well, I guess it's not a problem. If we're selling so many fish that we don't have time to take pictures and videos, that's a good problem. That's an awesome problem. Big Shrimpin, did you ever figure out what's going on with the purple selfin gudgeons? Not yet. It's been it's so busy here that I haven't had time to do like the shipment testing or anything. So they they appear to be doing well, but I haven't done any shipping testing. So hopefully next week we'll be able to get to that. End of next week. That's the hope. But yeah, still don't know why as soon as we put them in a bag, they just died. No clue. Some dude. Hey, Dan, Marcel doesn't have any more Radnocentris or Nautis Evans head. Are you in contact with anyone that purchased those fish? Well, let's do this real quick. If you purchased Radnocentris or Nautis Evans head, it looks like some dude is looking for some. Would you uh, chime in here and, and maybe we can source some for some dude? I haven't sold that fish for a year, a year and a half, I, I'm, a long time, so I don't remember off the top of my head everyone that got them. Aqua Designs by MLT. Your website is really laid out well. I'll let Random Arms know. He'll be glad to hear that. I liked how you organize what you are selling. I love the scientific names and genres, etc. Monica. Hey, thanks, Monica. I appreciate it. You know, I mean, there's. I'm glad to hear that because when I look at the website, all I see is the problems. There's a million and one things we want to do to that website to improve it. But uh, basically, we got our minimal viable product up, as they call it in the tech world. Our MVP. You're like, okay, this will work. <laughs> and then we've. We've made some improvements since then for sure, but there's a lot. Man, we have like nine pages of notes that we want to do to that website, but it's been busy. I mean, we had to build a stinking warehouse. Like, <laughs> it's a lot of work, but things are settling. We have some uh, amazing employees. We, we hired a couple of new employees. Uh, I think I talked about that last week, and they're doing fantastic. If you guys are watching, we're so glad you joined us. Like... We're so lucky. I think we had the best team ever. I, I've worked for a, a lot of companies, and one thing we decided when we started this company is this was going to be a place we wanted to work. This was going to be a place where we got up in the morning and were excited to go to. Part of that is we have a, a, a no-jerks policy. We just don't hire jerks. And uh, so far, what we've ended up with is people that are pleasant to work with, uh, support each other. It really feels like a team. Of course, there's every now and then someone's tired and grumpy, whatever. You know, we're all people, but I say that because yesterday I was really tired and kind of grumpy. <laughs> but um, I, that's to be expected, though, when you, you know, don't get enough sleep. But in, in general, we have great people to work with, and they're all hobbyists who... The only reason they joined the company is because they were excited about the mission of the company. So it's it's been awesome. Been awesome. Just glad you're all here if you're watching. 
Okay, we've got nine more minutes. We're in the final stretch, folks. Alexander, thank you so much for your continued support. Another super generous super chat from Alexander Englehart. As we like to say, we've been Englehearted. Thank you, my friend. I, I hope you're doing well. I, I really hope things are going well for you, man. And every week when I say thanks to you and the other continued supporters, Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics, and everyone else who continually supports Kelly Foreman, uh, I better stop saying names or I'll forget some. I'll, I'll leave someone out and offend them. Um, I, whenever I say thank you, again, I, I worry that it sounds tried or like by rote or whatever, but please, everyone, know that it's, it's really appreciated. Everyone that does that, thank you so much. We're a little startup company, as I like to say, and at this stage, every bit helps. Plus, I couldn't have gone to Louisville in the Triple Crown if folks hadn't supported us with the Super Chats, so... That was, that was amazing to be able to do that. Thank you. Often sniped. Been thinking about strawberry leperinus. Yes. Or blue spotted hill trouts. Yes. For future tank. What is the recommended size for both? Also, have you ever considered stocking local uh, American species? Yeah, I love Native American fish. I love nanfa. And darters and shiners and all those. I've kept and bred several of them. I really like them. My, my conditions are not right, though, for most native fish at the moment. I, I keep my water, I think, too warm. I couldn't do a cooling period for them. So there's a few. Like, we have some rainbow shiners, but that's really about it. And I'm also, I think, once we sell our current batch of rainbow shiners, I probably won't bring more in. They're a good fish. They're a good seller. I love them. People that get them love them, provided they end up with some males. <laughs> um, but those and rice, certain rice fish and certain other species, since we're connected to our local waterway, our local river, even though we have all this equipment to prevent the possibility of any organism getting out of our aquariums and ending up in the local river, and even though the Department of Environmental Quality and U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, have all checked off our system and been like, oh yeah, you guys are good. Like, like, we're good. I still have that little voice in the back of my head that says, what if you're the guy that introduced some kind of invasive species into that, that river? Like, despite all the precautions that are in place, despite the system and everything we've done to prevent that, what if we did? I don't know if I could live with myself. Like, that's so against who I am that that would be that would be devastating. Not just to me, but to the waterway and everyone that enjoys it and the local ecosystem and everything. So we made the decision, I think last week, that once all those species have sold out, we're not going to restock them. We just don't want there to be any possibility at all that, that if a fish escaped from our warehouse here, that it could survive in the creek. So that, that may, means that a lot of our native uh, fish, Native American fish, 
will will not be kept. So that's like like the white clouds, the some of the the madakas, the rainbow shiners, a few others. We're probably going to need to uh, also once we sell out of our neocaridina shrimps, our cherry shrimp types, we probably won't be stocking those again. We'll get other tropical species of shrimp, but but not those. So it's something that we don't have to do, and we're probably okay not doing it because of everything we how we have the system set up. But we're gonna do it just because that way there's absolutely no possibility. I just keep, you know, as a fish hobbyist, anytime an invasive species gets released, you know, here about Florida or Hawaii or plecos in all across the South and all that, I'm, it always, it makes me angry. Like, why, why were these systems not set up so that that couldn't happen? It should never have been that a system was set up so that could have happened, right? That, that was just irresponsible from the get-go. But then I'm like, well, what if I become one of those people? <laughs> so so that's that's the decision we've made. So I probably won't be stocking any uh, species local to the U.S. of A. Or native to the U.S. of A. Joseph Morshimer, if I remember... Oh, we already got that one about the pea puffers. Hunter... McLaren, what can hobbyists do to protect and improve the condition of fish threatened in their habitat like the White Cloud Mountain minnow? This is going to sound weird. But I think the best thing to do would be support the economies which thrive off their native fish. We always... We talk about Project Piaba, but there's others as well. The program to uh, to regulate and sustainably collect the Denison barb is now doing really well. So basically, here's the thought. If you are someone who lives where there is habitat with aquarium fish, that can be collected and sold to the aquarium trade, and you can do that for a living, then you have an incentive to protect that habitat so your financial resource, the fish, don't go away. Now what, what happens is, let's look at the roseline barb, the denison barb, Sahayadra denisoni, out of India. They call it like Miss Kerala, because that's the region it comes from. When that fish was first uh, discovered by the aquarium fish industry, <clears throat> it was over-collected and irresponsibly collected. And the reason is, is because the folks that were collecting it, the folks that live on the river, that's just their home, they found out, hey, people will pay for these, but they didn't know how to collect it. And so they, they were using gill nets, the same nets that they would use to collect their food fish, they were using to collect the denison barb. Well, when you collect a food fish, uh, you're going to eat that fish promptly after, so it doesn't have to be done in a way that doesn't harm the fish. Gill nets are really rough on fish. So what ended up happening was they would collect lots and lots of these because they could sell them, and they were done in such a way that the survival rate was very poor. So 
initial gold mine type Wild West scenario, right? That can happen. But then people started realizing, hey, if we keep doing this, this resource is going to dry up. And people don't want to buy our fish anymore. They're buying from farms instead because our fish are not surviving well and are, are doing poorly in the supply chain. So as that happened, they started transitioning how they did things. Now that fishery is well managed. They don't over collect. There's regulations about that. And they collect in a way that the survival rate is high. So now that they know how to do that in a sustainable way, they have the incentive to continue doing that, to protect the habitat and make sure the species doesn't disappear. So their livelihood, their source of income remains, right? That's also what's happened with Project Piaba and some other things. Now there's issues with Project Piaba. One is that the, uh, the fishermen, the, the folks that go out and, and fish, are getting such a low wage for the fish that they're having trouble uh, making enough money to keep doing it. So there are some issues with these systems. If those folks aren't paid more, then they're going to stop doing it and go find other work. But that's the issue. If folks stop collecting their natural resource and stop protecting it, what are their alternatives? Well, often they're destructive to the environment. You can grow crops, which you often have to destroy environments to do. Palm plantations is a big problem in Papua New Guinea. Uh, the Amazon, as we know, is cleared quite a lot for agriculture. So that's number one. Others are, are industries that are really dirty, like gold mining, where they will literally hose down the bank of the river to easily access the gold. Just in a lot of these areas, the way things are done in industry is not sustainable. There's, there's all kinds of examples all over the world where folks are trying to make a living and the, the options available to them uh, are not necessarily good for where they live, right? Collecting wild fish, if it's done responsibly, if it's well managed, if the incentive is, hey, this could be a, a long-term resource for us, we better protect it and manage it well, I think is the ultimate way to help a fish that is endangered in the wild survive long-term. The issue with endangerment of fish in the wild is usually habitat destruction of the habitat, right? It's very rarely overfishing. Now it can be, it can be, especially if that fish is from a very limited habitat and everyone goes to that one pond or that one spot where it is and collects it, right? That, that can be a problem. But since habitat degradation, destruction, is the thing that tends to wipe out freshwater fish species, their habitat's gone, they're gone. This is what happened with Chilothrina centeniensis. I'll tell you that story in a minute. Oh, it's 8.32, I don't have time for that story. Anyway, if we can create an incentive for folks that live there to protect it, I think that's the only real long-term solution. Otherwise, an industry will move in and folks will end up having to work for that industry and the whole habitat will be destroyed. So I would say look for projects like that that you can somehow support and contribute to. 
Project Piaba, or I forget the name of the project that's overseeing the Denison Bar management. And, and there's lots of things like this throughout the world. So to me, that seems like a sustainable long-term solution. I think a lot of other solutions, and there might be others, like I'm not a, an expert on all this stuff, but on all the different things that are happening. But I think a lot of the others are short-term band-aids, whereas the incentive to protect the environment because of a resource that the people there rely on, I think that's a long-term solution to the problem. So that's my thoughts on it. Just a hobbyist given his opinion, not a scholar in the area. Just, you know, keep, have kept an eye on it for a little bit. And so those are the thoughts I've, uh, I've developed. <laughs> okay. After that ramble, we're down to 191. Okay, that put most people to sleep. It's definitely time to close this out. Thanks for being here, everybody. Everyone that stayed to the end, thank you. <laughs> I got rambly, I know. Thank you for being here. Everyone that... Oh, I want to thank my... Okay, hang on. I'm very tired. Did I mention that? We're going to close this out. We're going to do this by thanking our moderators to begin with. Thank mods for doing everything that you do every week. Really appreciate you. Everyone that threw money at us, super appreciated. Never required, but it makes my wife super happy when money gets thrown at us, so thanks. Everyone that was lively in the chat, thanks for your questions and comments. Appreciate it. If you're lurking, hail the lurker nation. If you're listening on the, if you're watching on the replay, hello from the past. And if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening, and thanks to Michael Melia for making the podcast happen. With that, I got to get to bed. Thanks for being here, everybody. Though, have a great night. Um, I'll be back next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Maybe we'll be more rested, and I might have some cool Congo fish to talk about. Till then, have a good one. Thanks. Good night. <laughs>